M A I N M U N U Main Menu Main Menu Welcome to Main Menu for the week of September 20 to September 26, 2013. I'm your host, David Tanner, and we are glad to have you with us here today on Main Menu. Welcome back if you are a regular listener to Main Menu. If you're a new listener, welcome aboard. We are glad to have you with us today and hope you'll come back and be with us again on another Main Menu. Today on Main Menu, we are featuring, again, the second part of FS Cast. 81 from Freedom Scientific. It was the FS cast for August 2013, and the discussion is all about JAWS 15. And the discussion is between Eric Damry from Freedom Scientific and Jonathan Wilson. And we have already heard the first few minutes of about 20 minutes of the program, and we'll be hearing the rest of it on today's main menu. Thanks to the cooperation of Freedom Scientific in allowing us to air FSCast so that you can find out what is the very latest on JAWS that is coming out very soon. It'll be out before the end of October, we're sure of that. And we are getting you right up to date with what's happening there. Well, then the second thing up today is an interview with Derek Lane from Saratog Podcast Network, and he is interviewing Mr. Genesoskis from Humanware about the new Victor Reader stream, and they talk a little bit about the latest release of the new firmware for the Victor stream. However, that is not at this point the newest release. There has been a new release since the one in May, which updated the stream and made it possible for you to play audible files on it. That is what's up today on Main Menu. We're going to get right on into the show because we want you to make sure to hear everything, and it is a rather long show today. You have a great week, and we will see you back here again next week on Main Menu. One of the tools I've always enjoyed using is Freedom Scientific's FS Reader, which in recent years has come bundled with JAWS. And now we have FS Reader 3 in this release that's all new. It is. This is something that uh, Dan has been after me for a long time to say we, we've got to go in there and get this updated. And this is the year that we got it done. And I'm very excited about it. The ability to navigate Daisy Books in JAWS is something that needed to be updated. And we believe that we've come up with the right solution by making them up and presented in an HTML format. So if you're familiar with reading web pages, you can easily go in and navigate and interact and select and copy and move text around from within the Daisy books. And I want to demonstrate that real quick for you here, Jonathan. So I'm in the JAWS window and I'll go to the help menu. Update menu, help menu, training. And of course we land on training and if someone were to press enter on this, it launches FS Reader, which is a Daisy book player that is provided with JAWS. It can process text or audio Daisy books, not only ours, but others that you may get somewhere and you can use FS Reader on your computer to go through the Daisy book. So I'll press enter here. Leaving menus. FS Reader dash JAWS training materials table of contents. Introduction and overview link. Introduction and overview link. And inside the FS Reader when it opens up it lands you 
in a nice table of contents of what's in the DAISY book for training purposes. So, Dan, in addition to the regular basic training books of about uh, five or six hours, we've got well over probably 10 hours now of DAISY books that, that cover the advanced features and so forth. Yes, uh, probably even more than that, Eric. I would say more in the in the range of 20 to 25 hours at least. Good. Excellent. Okay, well, let's take a look and see how we can navigate it. So I opened it up, and we land in a book that's our table of contents. And you can just use navigation quick keys to step through this daisy book. I'm going to hit H for the headings. JAWS Training Materials Table of Contents Heading Level 1. What's new in JAWS 15 Daisy Book Heading Level 2? JAWS Basic Training Daisy Books Heading Level 2. Just features Daisy Books Heading Level 2. So we have the basic training, and then we have features books. And under each one of these categories, you can just hit the down arrow or Alt tab, and we'll move from book to book here. Excel column and row headers link. Excel forms with input messages link. Laptop keystrokes with JAWS and Magic link. Place markers link. Research it link. Setting center link. So you see there are books in here on many of the more advanced features that are included in JAWS. And if you know where you're going or you'd like to just look at everything in a list, just like on a web page, you can do an insert F7. JAWS, links list dialog, links list view, setting center, 18 of 28. And there's 28 links. Most of these are the books, and you can just arrow through the links list and press enter on the one you want and it will grab it and download it. Oh, so let me explain how this works, because this has changed too. In the past, if you went in and you were going to download one of the DAISY books, it launched the Check for Updates feature, and you would find all of the books listed in the Check for Updates dialog. Well, that's changed now. We don't put you into Check for Updates. If you press Enter on one of these links for a book, it first looks in your library on your computer to see if you've already installed it, and if so, it will open it up and put you in the location where you had last read in the book, so it remembers where you were. If it does not find the book on your computer, it will automatically go out to the web and locate it on our site, and it will download it and open it up and extract it and install it right on your computer for you very cleanly so you don't have to interact with any check for updates dialog there's nothing else to go through it just uh, very cleanly installs the book for you and if you happen to have the book installed on your computer and it's an older book we've updated the book it will tell you that there's a newer version available so it'll see that you have the book but it will also check to see if there's a new one and it will find out there is it'll give you an opportunity to download and install the new one right over top so this will be much easier we think that trainers will take advantage of this hopefully to revisit our DAISY training material with all of their users. They're much easier to navigate, and they're much easier to find and install now. And if all that doesn't impress you, Jonathan, <laughs> on October 9th, there's a free webinar scheduled on FS Reader 3. So if you have not checked out one of the webinars, we offer many free ones. You can go to the Freedom Scientific's homepage and go to the link under Training and look for online learning, and you'll find that Dan and Ryan and the team here have put up many free webinars on how to use various things within JAWS and Magic, and those webinars are, are very good. There's a webinar on how to take webinars. That's so right. if you've never done one before, go and check out that webinar. It's very easy, and we have hundreds and hundreds of users around the world that are tapping into these things now, and they really appreciate it. The feedback is outstanding. So if you haven't tried one Give them a try. What do they generally run in length, Dan, from about 15 minutes up to an hour? And some of them go over multiple hour courses, but uh, most of the free ones are about an hour or less? Yep. Free ones are about a 45-minute to an hour length, and 
for question and answer and things like that. And then some of the other ones uh, will go over a course of like six weeks, an hour a week, something like that. I see. And if you... If you'd like to do the webinar on the FS Reader and October 9th doesn't work out for you, you have an option there too, right? Yep. If you register on the e-learning page, just go to freedomscientific.com e-learn and go to register for one of the any of the webinars, whether it's a free one or a paid one, but this one is a free one. As long as you're registered, if you can't attend, we send everyone who registers a link to the recorded archive and an MP3 and the HTML files of that webinar as well. Great. So there's a tip for you all. Jump onto that e-learning page and take a look at all those free webinars that are coming up and just register for them. You you may be able to take advantage of it in the future and you may not, but if you don't get registered, you can't. So please go out there and take a look. There's also going to be a webinar coming up in a very short uh, future, and we'll talk more about a date on this, I think, as we get into the section on touch navigation and, and screen navigation. But we'll be having a webinar on that coming up here very shortly too. You mentioned how FS Reader now can take you to updates of Freedom Scientific training material. So what does that mean for the check for updates feature in JAWS itself, which is where we used to get these updates? So in JAWS 15 and above, the check for updates will only check for updates on JAWS at this point. You won't use that to check for updates on your books. If you want to see if there's a, a new particular version of any of the books, just try and open that book from the table of contents. If there's a new one, it'll it'll go get it for you. Okay. And the check for updates feature continues to have that automatic option, right? So that you start JAWS one morning and you get the good news that there's an update available and that's still an option that you can automatically get the update notification. Right. That's on by default. Okay. Let's talk about speech history. This is a new feature in JAWS 15. Can you explain to me what speech history does, how you might use that? Sure. So for... Many years now, we've had the ability to, in Braille, go back and look at the history of what's been sent to the synthesizer. So on the Braille display, you can basically walk back through what has been spoken. And um, that can be a very useful feature for a Braille reader. We didn't have the ability for a speech user to be able to find out what that was that JAWS just said. And so we've added a feature in now for history and insert spacebar, put you in the layered mode, and you can hit H for history, and it will pop up a window, and the last 50 things, the last 50 strings that were sent to the synthesizer. And this could be useful, I think, under many cases. Developers certainly find good ways of using this uh, when they're trying to check window class names and things like that. Anything that maybe was not written on the screen or something that you could not really select and copy and paste into some place a message you're sending somebody, or let's say a Windows error message has popped up on the screen, and it's one of those things that you can't really get your hands on. It's not a selectable text. You can uh, take the JAWS cursor up, read it, then do the history command, and you'll be able to grab right from the results viewer any of the spoken text that JAWS just read. So if it just read the long number for the error message and you need to pass that to somebody, you'll be able to grab it right from the history window. And I think there are a lot of probably places that people will find useful ways of of using this. And one that someone had mentioned to me recently, which I, I was thinking this could be very good, if you're working with a company, let's say you're on some company's website, and however they've written their website it becomes very difficult to understand because they haven't set it up right. The accessibility concerns that they 
put into designing the web page didn't really work out too well for you and you're having a hard time following it, you'd like to explain to them what the problem is. Well, you can have JAWS walk through and read the area on their website that's very confusing. Then you can pop up the history, copy it to the clipboard, and paste it into an email message and, and say to the author of the website that when I go to this location on your website, this is what the screen reader is reading. It may not necessarily be what's on the screen. It's coming out of the HTML markup, but showing him or her what the screen reader is actually reading on the web page can be very helpful in them going into their code and figuring out what they're doing wrong. So that's a good example of where you might use the history. Yes, it is. When I first saw this feature, I thought, well, I'm not sure how much I will use this because I have the JAWS cursor, but to actually have access to what it was the text-to-speech says is a different paradigm from using the JAWS cursor. You'd use them for different things. Exactly. Updated Skype support. Skype is everywhere. I mean, if you uh, use a portable device, an iPhone or an Android, you've got it there. And it's, of course, available in Windows. It's a Microsoft product now. Some screen readers require you to use a lesser-featured specialized solution, but JAWS has always supported Skype itself and now has built-in very high-quality support for Skype. Right. For years now, Doug Lee, a very good and powerful JAWS user out there and a longtime user and friend of the company, had written a very extensive set of Skype scripts that many of our users, especially those that are on the internet and, and keep up on listservs and talk to other users, they find out about these things because uh, Doug's scripts are probably the most widely used of any scripts out there. And he's done a very good job at supporting Skype for years for free. And it's been a, a great service. And to be honest with you, Doug has done some things that go far beyond what we could do in trying to give out-of-the-box support for Skype. He's really taking it to a new level, and I've spoken with Doug as recent as the National Federation of the Blind Convention this past summer, and I think he's going to continue because there are some things that he can do, and he works very closely with the group at Skype, and there are things that he can continue to do beyond what we're doing. But I think basic support We've taken the lead from him, and we've done many of the things that he had added in through his scripts so that they just automatically work now in JAWS when you're running with Skype on your PC. So I think many users will take advantage of it. In the What's for New write-up, you will find a very good detailed description of what you can do and what the keystrokes are. So if you're not familiar with the Skype scripts that Doug had put out, you may want to go into the What's New and read through that section and get the keystrokes and try Skype out with JAWS 15. Yeah, it's important, I think, because JAWS has had good support for Windows Live Messenger, MSN Messenger, its various carnations over the years. And Microsoft have put their eggs in the Skype basket now. So really, it's not just for voice communication, but for instant messaging. This is the way to go. Let's talk Braille. I have always been impressed by JAWS's Braille support, and it's just had a major makeover with all sorts of great stuff in JAWS 15. Let's talk about third-party Braille support first, and it's now easier to work with a bunch of uh, non-freedom scientific Braille displays in JAWS 15. Right. Maybe I should back up and talk about the third-party Braille compatibility program and what we did years ago. I think our users are benefiting from it today. I know that I talked to a lot of people who are just uh, thrilled with the fact that they never have to call up and complain that their Braille display no longer works with the new version of JAWS because these things get tested now. And the third-party program says that the manufacturer of these third-party displays work closely with us to follow a specification and make sure that they can support all the features of JAWS 
that their Braille display is capable of doing. So if they have a Braille keyboard on their Braille display, they can take advantage of Braille input from JAWS and do contracted Braille input, for instance. And uh, that wasn't possible in the old days with the old drivers that were out there because those drivers didn't support these new advanced features. So as we add and make changes to JAWS for Windows, those things become available through the driver program and they are supporting that driver program and can update their driver and key maps and uh, retest it, submit it to us, we double test it, sign the driver and send it back to them. And they've been in the past posting those on the website. So you'll still find them on their websites, but in addition to that now, starting with JAWS 15, the drivers for many of the companies that have put drivers out, such as American Printing House for the Blind, Baum, Handy Tech, Hims, Humanware, Poppenmeyer, and Optelec as well, those drivers, the support between JAWS and the display itself, are all installed now as part of JAWS 15. So you still have to have the manufacturer's Windows driver installed, but they provide those with their Braille display. But if you have that, then the driver is on uh, JAWS 15. So if you go up to a new computer with your third-party Braille display from one of the manufacturers I just mentioned, chances are you don't have to go and download anything special from the Internet to be able to get this running. It'll be able to set up and work, and the drivers and key maps are all built right into JAWS 15. And following on from that, there's now auto-detection of Braille displays. You plug in the display and it goes. Right, and I think this is probably one of the most exciting features. Uh, I know that when I discussed JAWS 15 at some of the summer conventions, the auto-Braille recognizing capabilities was one of the things that got the loudest applause. They love it. So if you've set up your computer, let's say, to use Bluetooth or use a USB connection with your Braille display, but you take your Braille display with you when you leave the house and you go somewhere and you do something when you come back home and you turn on your computer and start JAWS and plug in your display or if you've got a Bluetooth set up, when you turn on your Braille display, JAWS just finds it and it starts working. You don't have to restart JAWS. You don't have to do anything special. It'll just auto-detect it and it will just start to work. And this will be true for third-party displays as well. You will have to initially set JAWS up to work with that particular display through the Braille and Synth Manager, but once you've done that, it'll auto-detect it whenever you disconnect it or reconnect it. It'll just start working again. You don't have to restart JAWS. Fantastic stuff. Now, Braille is a very personal thing, and some people like their reverse panning buttons, and some people prefer words expand and all kinds of different features. There's a bunch of new Braille things that you can change, you can set up in the JAWS startup wizard there. Yes, this actually was a big request that came from the localizers in some of the European countries, was the ability to let the startup wizard have a user go in and set those things up rather than having them go into the options, Braille options dialog box or go into the settings center and change anything there. So when you run through the startup wizard, you'll find on the Braille page that we've added quite a few of these things, including the button to select the Braille table. So if you have more than one Braille table installed on your computer because you use a couple of different languages with your Braille display, you can actually set up which one is going to be your primary Braille table right in the startup wizard. 
So you can switch on the fly between Braille tables. Now, I know that Braille is really big for people who are dealing in multiple languages. And so now if you want to switch languages because you're switching, say, from English to Spanish or something like that, that's possible too. Correct. In the options dialog, you can pop it up and there is a section in there. And any of the Braille tables installed with that JAWS for Windows will be available in that list in the options dialog box. And you can just quickly select the one you want to switch to and it will start using that language. The next Braille element I want to talk about with you, Eric, is structured mode. And this is the mode that many of us use every day in our work. The JAWS 15 release has undertaken a very radical makeover of structured mode to the point that now you have a lot of control information in the status cells. There are new symbols that indicate whether tree views are collapsed or expanded, various things like that. And it seems that the overall goal here has been to maximize the Braille real estate that you have. Um, 40 cells is great. 80 cells is even better. But a lot of people now are using Braille displays like the Focus 14 Blue, where Braille real estate really is at a premium. And so clearly a lot of thought has been given to how you represent the maximum amount of information using the minimum amount of cells. And the heart of all of this is when you go into the JAWS setting center. And I was quite struck by how much change there's been in setting center with respect to Braille. If you go into the structured mode tree view group now, there are a range of components that you can turn on that dictate how Braille is displayed. And it is very configurable. So I think the one thing I would emphasize is that seasoned Braille readers will notice that Braille looks quite a bit different. And clearly there will be some time to adjust. But I think when people do adjust, they'll find that they're working with Braille a lot more efficiently because after all that's been done, more Braille simply fits on a line. You get more information for your line. So shall we jump into the setting center and just run through these real quick? Yeah, let's do that. Okay, so we'll jump to the setting center. Run JAWS Manager Dialog. List 1, List 2, Custom Highlight S, Script Manager S, Setting Center. JAWS Window, JAWS Setting Center Dialog. And we'll load up the default file. JAWS Setting Center, Default All Applications. And type in Structured. S, T, R, C. Structured Mode, one of three search results. Three search results list box, Structured Mode, Braille. Search edit box cleared, three view, Structured Mode, closed, five of six. So I'll open that and we'll look through. Structured Mode, open, four items. Level two, include optional components, closed, one of four. Ah, so we'll open this up with the right arrow. Include optional components open, seven items. Level three, type on and status cells, one of seven. Show level and position checked. Show hotkey checked. Show other hints checked. Show dialog title checked. Show dialog descriptive text checked. Show control group info checked. Level two, align the structured segment checked, two of four. Reverse order of structured data checked. Advanced dot dot dot. So those were all new things that exist in the structured mode. So under the advanced button, is where you'll find all the abbreviations for the various controls and so forth that you would see in Braille. And many of these existed before, but we've changed quite a few of them, and you can go in there and you can modify those abbreviations as you see fit. Yeah, I'd encourage people to check out the help file when that is available because it will explain in great detail how all of this works and to persist with it because really you just get so much more Braille on the line now and as you've seen there, as you've arrowed through all those options, you can actually have a lot of control over how much information is displayed. If you don't want to know what the hotkey is for every control, and indeed we've got this in speech too, you can turn that off and get a bit more brow real estate. So it's a, it's, it's a very good setup there. All right, and remember it is application specific. So if there are some applications where you're trying to get much more real estate for content, you can cut down on what things are going to be shown. 
And I believe it is sensitive to the fact that if you're running like with a Focus 14, it knows to automatically turn off status cells and things like that. We talked earlier about the fact that updates to JAWS are coming up very frequently throughout the year. You're going to be collecting some information about issues that may be occurring in the field through a new error reporting feature that's in JAWS 15. Right. We've had the ability in JAWS now for a release or two to give users the opportunity to what we call dump JAWS. Now, the support team generally would take advantage of this. If you find yourself in a situation where the computer seems to have hung You can't seem to have any control over anything. If you did the keystroke insert Windows key and then F4, so holding down insert and Windows key and pressing F4, would force JAWS to dump, and it creates a dump file for JAWS at that moment, along with whatever application was in focus at that moment also, and it creates them one level up in the folder structure above your user settings, and oftentimes our support guys would go there and uh, retrieve those files from you if you talk to the tech support guys and they were trying to get that information. So in JAWS 15, we've changed it a little bit so that in the event that you do seem to have hung up and you do do that manual command, not only will it dump JAWS, it will also restart JAWS for you automatically. So it's a nice way of uh, getting out of a sticky situation if you think you got hung But we're also sending error reports in now. So in the event something goes wrong and JAWS seems to hiccup, you'll have an opportunity to send that report automatically to us. We will prompt you and ask you if you do want to send it or if you would just agree to send these in the future. It's not going to send any user-specific information. The only information we would have would be a MAC address but uh, it's going to send us any information from the dump file itself directly to a database where our developers can monitor and look at these. Now, not all the time will these help, but many times they do, and sometimes they show patterns, and oftentimes it, it helps us to identify what will help to stabilize things in the future. And these things are always changing, and of course, because of the nature of screen readers, we're trying to inject ourselves into not only the operating system, but every application you run and every API related to accessibility that's communicating with us. And it is always going to be possible for these things to create problems, as we all know. So anything we can do to get those error reports in can prove to be very useful and has with our beta team. And it's proven to be so useful, so much so that we have turned this on now for users when JAWS 15 comes out. So those of you who install the beta or install the release version should see the error reporting uh, pop up from time to time. Now, I hope that you don't see it all the time, and you shouldn't, but uh, in the event that it does, it could prove to be very useful if you'll let that information get sent in to us, and we would uh, greatly appreciate it. So a MAC address is internal. That means that you have no information not only about who I am, but even where in the world I am or any information of that kind, correct? That's right. And you don't even get an opportunity to communicate that information to us in this error reporting. It's strictly getting the the crash logs coming in. Now, those crash logs will also exist in the same location, one level up from your user folder. So in the event something is persistent, you just want to try and uh, make sure that you've talked to us about it. Because if you think you've got some specific steps that can make this happen, that can be very useful to us. Contact tech support, outline what the steps are and let them retrieve those crash logs and attach it to the record that they'll create and escalate it up. And that can still prove to be very useful.
Can I turn off the error reporting altogether? You can. You can tell it never to submit any of this when it comes up, and uh, it'll just ignore it, and it'll never bother you for it. We are going to talk about the much-anticipated touch support in a moment, but in a way, as a lead-up to that, there have been a few changes to the navigation quick keys, which I guess are partly because of the touch support, but also, I guess, reflecting the changing nature of the web and having easier keys to remember for functions we are now using more and more. Right. So, And they'll be listed in the write-up, but the ones I guess I'll mention to users, in the past, we used the letter R for radio buttons, and we're still going to have an option for radio buttons, but we're going to move it to A now because R we're going to use for regions. Regions are something designed by the World Wide Web Consortium, and it's part of ARIA, and uh, regions are very becoming more popular out there. Unfortunately, a lot of web developers are overdoing it with regions, as many of them overdid it with headings. So we've also added another one for main region. Main region is hopefully where the bulk of the story would begin, or for whatever reason, that's where you would normally try to get to. And we're going to put the uh, main region on the letter Q. A was anchors before and uh, anchors away. And Q was block quotes, and I'm not sure if we've got one for block quotes now or not, but you can always go in and edit this file and change it and put it the way you would like it. But I think overall regions and main regions are going to become very popular in the in the future as they are starting to now, so users should be able to take advantage of that. Now I want to talk about touch. This is a really exciting new feature of JAWS 15. You've got a Microsoft Surface there. I have a Microsoft Surface here. And uh, it's pretty liberating, actually, being able to play with a tablet that allows you to do full Windows. No compromises. You've got the full Microsoft Word on this thing. You can even do audio production. I have done all on a tablet that has a touchscreen and is now working with JAWS. So I'll sit back and let you take us through a comprehensive demonstration of touch in JAWS 15. Okay. Well, let's start by my take on these tablets and the Surface in particular, but I've actually purchased already about three or four of these things just to be able to get a good feel for them and and trying to determine which one might be the right one to recommend. And uh, for those of you who are all waiting with bated breath, I haven't found it yet. I will tell you that the Surface was the most appealing one to me. I think Microsoft has done a a real good job with this, but it's still a computer in my mind. I'm still trying to use it as a computer. I'm using it with uh, applications that I've run on Windows 7. It's not just a toy. I'm trying to work with it. And the weight distribution, because the tablet piece is so heavy, makes it kind of top-heavy if you've got it sitting on your lap. If it's sitting on a desktop, it works just fine. The angle is good and everything. But I don't find it very good as a computer that's portable that I can pull out any place and set on my lap and work with easily. I did spend extra for the better keyboard, and it is kind of nice the way the, the keyboard is a magnetic attachment, and it just slaps on the bottom of the tablet and works, so you don't really have to, uh, as long as you find the right edge to put it next to, it'll just clip right on, and the keyboard instantly works. There are two keyboards, right? There's the touch cover and the type cover, and the, the type cover's worth going for because I think the touch cover's quite difficult to work with if you're doing serious work. I think so, too, and uh, and this other one is still very thin, and there's not a whole lot to it, and they charge plenty for it, though. It's about $130 for this <laughs> uh, keyboard, so all told, I think I had well over $1,100 into this thing when I got it, so they're pretty steep. And again, this is the Microsoft Surface Pro, 
and it does run full Windows 8. I've actually got the 8.1 Preview Edition running on this one today, and I can do a little bit of demonstration of the tiles and how things have changed. I have tried it on several other machines, including regular laptops, and around the company here, of all the things we've looked at so far, the Lenovo Yoga seems to be the one that's winning out. That's what most people seem to move to. And again, it's more of a laptop than a tablet, but you can flip it around and just use it as a tablet if you'd like to. I think my recommendation to people, just because our support is going to be such that as long as you've got a keyboard, you can do all of the gestures that you would normally do on the touchscreen itself. So if you have a good laptop, I, I think a good Ultrabook running Windows 8, or 8.1, you don't even really need a touch screen. You'll be able to drive the applications, and I'll, I'll go into an app or two here on this one and, and show you how it works with both swiping on the screen and then doing the equivalent on the keyboard or from a Braille display, because you can do all of this from a Braille display. So you really can drive the things as you would with a touch screen right from the keyboard itself. Let's start with the desktop itself. So, Internet Explorer row one. I'm on the top left corner on the top tile, and the thing that they've changed about the tiles now is they can be, instead of just a square and a rectangle, they can be a small square, a medium square, a really big square, or a rectangle. So, there are four different sizes they can be, and it makes the grid be much bigger. So, I have on the left hand column in the first group all medium sized squares. So they take up actually four blocks of the grid. So when I move down, Jaws 15, row three. I'm moving into row three. I skip over row two because row two is part of that first tile. Fun with type ability, row five. And I have three tiles basically. It's six rows. So that's the last one. If I down arrow again, I get nothing. Moving, I'll move back up to the top. Jaws 15, Internet Explorer, row one. And move to the right. Microsoft Outlook 2010, column three. And this is a normal size square, but the next ones to the right are small. Open book 9.0, column 5. And moving to the right. People, column 6. Desktop, column 7. So those are small tiles, so I'm actually able to get each column and be able to hear them without skipping one. And I'll move back to the left, too. People. Open book 9.0, column 5. And moving down. Microsoft Word 2010, row 2. So this time I'm in row 2 instead of row 3 because these are small tiles. So... If nothing else, I hope I've totally confused you. Arrowing around in these tiles, it's not predictable. It doesn't make any sense. If every tile was a really small tile, you'd at least probably have a fighting chance of keeping track of where you are. But it is a little confusing. And then you also run into the fact that you can have different groups. And as you move across from one group to the next, you'll hear a noise from Jaws. I'll move back up. Open book 9.0, row 1. And to the right. People, column, Skype for desktop, column 9. Calendar 22, Thursday, column 11. Photos, column 13. Camera, column 1, row 1, 1 of 7. So I kept moving to the right, and eventually we heard a little sound. That's a sound generated by JAWS to indicate that you've moved from one group to the next. And then we're in column 1 of the second group. And you can have many, many groups. There is a way to create the groups and name the groups, and you can even move things around. And this is how a sighted person on a tablet would do it because they're using their fingers to swipe the screen and find the app or the tile that they're trying to launch. And that's how they do it. But if you've heard any of my presentations or if you've talked to many people who are sophisticated yet on Windows 8, you'd find out that this is not necessarily where you go to find the, the applications. If you're looking for an application, like if I want to find Excel, I could type EX. E X. Search box. Search everywhere. Enter. Submit. Query. Escape. Clear box. Edit. Explorer. 
and it will find the things that start with EX. I think I'll put in a C. C, Global Group, Microsoft Excel 2010 app. And there it is. So EXC will find Microsoft Excel as an app on this computer, and pressing Enter right now will just launch that application. So very much like Windows 7, when you pop open the Start menu and you're in a Search Edit box, you're always in a Search Edit box on your Start screen here, and you can just start typing anywhere. You can find applications, you can find settings, and you can find files. So it's a pretty good way of, of launching things. C, Edit, C, X, E, Escape. Start screen, camera, column one, row one, one of seven. So I'm back on the start screen itself. Now, instead of touching the keyboard, I'm going to reach up and touch the screen, and I'm going to move my finger from the right side of the screen to the left. Camera, group. And again. Sky drive, photos. News, Manning says he wants to live as a woman. Goff to suit Texas over voter ID law. France searches apostrophe for Syria if gas attacks confirmed. So it's moving from one tile to the next as I swipe across. And it landed on a tile about, it's a news app. And it's what they call a live tile, so it delivers information right on the screen. And as JAWS lands on those tiles, it speaks that information to you automatically. So I'm going to keep swiping to the left. Calendar 22, Thursday. Skype for desktop. Sports. Packers aim to go as fast as we can. 13F0891E1695C3BFC. There's another one of those live tiles, and as you notice, sometimes there's a bunch of garbly goop in the background, and JAWS will speak that stuff for you, too, just like uh, we used to see in the Internet. Store. Pain. The store, by the way, is where you can go and find these apps. Uh, when you go into the store, you can type in what you're looking for, an arrow through the list, and press Enter to have them installed. App Windows Phone Snack, second place in Latin. So this is one of those applications that's got a lot of good technical information. If you have Windows 8, you might go into the store and search for Appy Geek and get a hold of this one. I think you'll like it. It's, it works pretty good with the touch as well. But I, I'm going to take you into the news one. Everybody has that. So if you have Windows 8, go to the start screen and type in news. N-E-W-S. Global Group News App. And press enter on news app. News window. Touch cursor. News. And notice that JAWS says touch cursor. So certain apps, we know that they're going to behave much better if we just go into touch cursor mode. Touch cursor is like um, you're familiar with having the PC cursor, the JAWS cursor, and what we call the virtual cursor. Well, the touch cursor is a is the cursor that's going to allow you to move across one of these applications that's designed to be used with gestures on a tablet. You can also run it on the keyboard itself, as I'll show you in a minute. But I'm going to start by swiping down, which is going to move me from region to region to region across the top of the app. Get started. Region. Top stories. Region. Sources. Region. World region. And whenever you get to a region that you want to look into and see what the stories are under the region, you can right swipe. World heading. And I'm just gesturing across, sliding my finger left to right across the tablet. World link. AP photo slash Sergey Karpikin, Russia defense anti-gay law and letter to IOC, Associated Press, AP photo slash China intermediate people's court, China's bow mounts, Reuters slash top strong, possible Gitmo defense, 9 slash 11 attack justified, Miami Herald, 15 hours ago, the accused mastermind of the set, 11 attacks has a right. And you can see that it, it gets right into the story and it starts reading it, but if that's a story you want to read in detail, you just double tap on the screen and it will launch that story and bring it up. Now, I've been gesturing with my finger on the screen, I'm going to move to the keyboard, the touch cursor is on, and I'm going to hit the up and down arrow as if I was swiping up and down. So if you swipe down with a down arrow on the keyboard, Technology and Science region. it moves me to the next region. If I move up arrow, it's like swiping in the opposite direction. World region. And it takes me right back to the world region. So 
This is actually much easier to do because I don't have to take my hands off the keyboard. I don't have to hold my arm up and reach for the screen, whether it's a monitor or a tablet screen itself. If I'm sitting at a desk or even with this thing in my lap and I'm using a keyboard, this is much easier to just keep my hand right on the arrow keys. And if I, I'll go back down to technology and science. Technology and science region. And I'll right arrow. Technology and science heading. Technology and science link. Reuters Zena Fassbender as console battle heats up. Vidiacom hopes rise. Reuters eight hours ago. New heroes are here. Proclaims a poster for micro. And so it's just like doing a right swipe and it moves right into those stories. AP photo slash Santan. Test tube babies. A simpler, cheaper technique. Associated press three hours ago since the first test tube. Boy, they find all kinds of things to write about. AP photo slash Jacqueline Martin. Colleges look to navigate an online future. Miami Herald four hours ago. Measured strictly by size. The University of. And I can press enter. Alert loading. And it loads that story right up. And then I can right arrow. Go back. Button heading. Heading. By Michael Vasquez. Miami Herald Thursday, August 22nd, 2013. Universities look to online programs to navigate an uncertain future. Miami Herald image. Image attribution. Button. Now, the order, I just keep right arrowing across. We go through the author, we go through the heading, and then it stops and it goes through all of the images within the article before you get to the article. This is how they order these things. In the future, we may find ways to allow you to quickly skip past that stuff. But I'm just going to keep right arrowing and we'll get to the story. Link. Link. AP photo slash Steve Helper. If stadium-sized online classes are indeed a glimpse into the future of higher education, and many have suggested they are, how are universities supposed to so stay financially afloat when they are giving away their product for free? That's the text associated with that last image we landed image. on. Link. AP photo slash Jacqueline Martin, Georgetown University. Next article. PS4 is a return to the next article. PS upcoming. Facebook CEO starts global internet. Facebook CEO starts global internet. Facebook CEO starts global. Apple's t- Apple's Tim Microsoft. Measured strictly by size. The University of Florida's recent fundamentals of human nutrition class. Okay, so now we finally got to the story. So we got past all the junk and this is it. And I could just do a caps arrow down, a caps lock down arrow. I'm on my laptop layout. Measured strictly by size. The University of Florida's recent fundamentals of human nutrition class was a resounding success. The class offered this past spring was up's first foray into the online trend of massive open online courses, or MUCS. The class was open to anyone interested from around the world, and more than 69,000 students signed up. For comparison purposes, up as a university has a total enrollment of about 50,000 a year. And I can stop it at any point and start reading again from that point. Now, one of the things you may want to try and do is change your speech rate as you're doing this. So uh, for gesture purposes, you can actually do like a rotor movement. And those of you who are using phone devices like iPhones and stuff with voiceover, you're familiar with doing rotor movements to change. It's like changing a dial of what you're going to change. So if I rotor to the right. Form controls. Speech settings mode. Okay, so I turn to the right and I got speech settings mode. And now as we swipe to the right. Faster, faster, faster. I can speed it up or left swipe. Slower, slower, slower. If I touch the screen one time. Speech settings mode. I come back out of the adjustment level and I'm back to the rotor and I can now turn it to the right again. Text reading mode. And you can go into a text reading mode and this is going to allow you to choose how you're going to move. E W S. And I'm just walking through the text a letter at a time when I swipe to the right instead of moving by entire unit. So you can change whether it's going to be characters, words, lines or the entire paragraph. So that's just a couple of the things you can do. And in the list, in the write-up, you'll see what all of the different gestures are. And again, as I mentioned, there are keyboard equivalents for each one of these. So you can go in and just do this from a keyboard. So if you don't have a touch screen, still try this out. Take advantage of these apps in Windows 8 and do them right from the keyboard. And if you have a Braille display, you'll find that there are Braille commands to be able to drive this as well.
Okay, so let's go and look at another app. I'll come away from this uh, news app. I'll just leave it running. I'll just hit the Windows key to go back to the start screen. Start and, screen. Internet and Explorer. I'm going to type in um, US. US. Search global group. U.S. Constitution app. So I have a U.S. Constitution app. And this one doesn't have all the things labeled correctly, but you can get in and read through the U.S. Constitution fairly well here. U.S. Constitution. Window. U.S. Constitution. So the first thing, this doesn't turn on the touch cursor by default, so I'm going to turn on the touch cursor with a caps lock, which is the JAWS key, shift and semicolon. Touch cursor. And then I'm going to downswipe. Constitution with the list. And it moves me into the list of the U.S. Constitution. Now, these are the things that aren't labeled correctly. I'll right swipe. U.S. Constitution. View models. Article. View model. U.S. Constitution. View models. We'll go back US and launch the first view models. Article. View model. So I'll double tap the screen there. Back button. And I'll move into the right. Right swipe. List. U.S. Constitution. View models. Pane. We the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, do ordain and establish this Constitution for the United States of America. And, uh... U.S. Constitution. U.S. Con have at least one represent the Senate of the United States shall be composed of two senators from each state, chosen by the legislature there. So, just right swiping, I can walk through the different articles and read right through the entire Constitution, or left swipe will take me right back. Have at least one representative. No person shall be a representative who shall not have attained to the age of... And it moves a block at a time, and it just reads through that section. And you can also start a say-all at any time, and it'll just start reading the whole thing and walk through it. So this was a pretty good, simple little app. And again, these things aren't designed necessarily for accessibility. Not everything works perfectly. And some of the things you have to jump through a few hoops to get to where you're going. But many of the things work pretty good. And I'll encourage you to experiment with that touch cursor. Again, caps lock or the JAWS key, shift, semicolon to turn it on on a laptop layout. So I think that's a pretty good step into the realm of touch devices and touch cursors. And again, use your keyboard with Windows 8 on your laptop and give these a try. Things will continue to change and improve, and I'm sure people will experiment with them. I know they're looking at the different programs like the simple little email program, which works pretty good on Windows 8. There's also a contacts program and a Twitter app and there's all kinds of things that people are out there experimenting around with now. And as JAWS 15 gets out there in public beta, I think we'll start to get a whole influx of information from people on, on what they're trying to accomplish and where they're having some success. So what's really exciting about this, I think, is that you could get a, a pretty nice light ultrabook. And some of the ultrabooks without touch screens are cheaper than the ones that have them. And yet, as a blind person, we've still got all of the benefits of having the touch screen because of the touch cursor. So there is some money to be saved there. Absolutely. So those are the highlights. There are many, many other enhancements, right? I mean, we've touched the major new features, but there are many, many changes, improvements as a result of user feedback that are going into 15 as well that are just too numerous to mention. Right, and uh, once you've got it installed, you will be running across automatic updates during the course of the public beta, so please allow those to happen and be sure to fill out the forms online, the form online, with any of your user feedback as you're experimenting with it. We would love to hear from you. So head over to the website, freedomscientific.com. When the beta is available, you will find it there. There will be a link right off the main page, and you can download it and install it. It's always good to take the wraps off a major new release of JAWS, Eric, and I appreciate you taking us through the new features. It was great to be on here and really uh, 
look forward to hearing more feedback from everyone out there about it. Jaws 15 is looking like a great release. And that concludes our jam-packed edition of FS Cast for August 2013. Keep an eye out on the website for Jaws 15. I know you're going to love it. We'll be back next month with more. Until then, this is Jonathan Mosen saying thank you for listening. Bye for now. So I'm standing here at ACB 2013 with Matthew Genesauskas, I believe was the pronunciation. Is that correct? Very good, yes. Okay, that's awesome. And he is the product manager for the Victor Reader stream and has been heard last on the Saratalk Podcast Network as a result of the CSUN interview he did where he talked in great detail about all the features of the new Victor Reader stream. But since then, there has been a new software update, if I am uh, correct. Yeah. And uh, so what do people see in this new update? So what we, uh, what we were able to do is we just uh, launched the new generation stream at the end of February, and we were able to do the first software update in May. And uh, that was due to popular demand of the users for uh, support for audible.com, which was absent when we launched the product. And we weren't sure at uh, launch time of if or when it would be possible. And I refer people back to the other podcast. I explained a bit of the reasoning and what we were struggling with. But at the end of the day, I think that the uh, what I'm saying is I believe the community was heard. I know that Audible received a lot of direct contact from stream users. And I really believe that helped to change the direction of the winds. So this update now, uh, the stream does support audible.com content, and it's the same uh, variants that we supported with uh, the original stream. So that's the uh, Audible Enhanced, which is their highest quality, and then the uh, Format 4. Both of those are supported. That's good. And the mechanism is the same as before also with using Audible Manager to activate and so on. None of that's changed. That's really cool because those particular Audible formats do sound very nice. Especially the Enhanced. I was impressed. And it doesn't just sound nice for, you know, when I say good for what it is, you know, that implies something you expect to be mediocre actually comes out with something that mm-hmm. is, no, but I mean, it actually sounds really impressive. Yeah, what um, I heard was like a piece of a, um, I believe it was like a, uh, a documentary or something. It wasn't an audio book. It was something with uh, background music and the whole bit. It really sounded like something from TV, I guess. Yeah. So I guess they have other content that they're yeah, that broadening well. into now. And that rendered well. Oh my goodness! It was it was crystal clear. It was it was impressive. I mean, it sounded like 300 300 BPS. MP3. Yeah, yeah. And um, so, okay, Audible. And did you do anything with the Wi-Fi in that particular update? Uh, No, that was the same as at launch time. Uh, No, that's not true. We did um, won't affect many people, but we had a few special situations where people needed to either have uh, assign a static IP to their stream or to use a proxy server in the middle or something. So those kind of advanced functions are supported now, and you do that through the Humanware Companion software. You can put in, and it makes an XML file to import with those advanced settings for people that need them. Yeah, to build a UI to do something like that into that kind of unit would have been ridiculous. Yeah, I wouldn't even try. And it applies to so few people. Yeah. But for the ones that need it, the uh, the support is there now. So once you have made this XML file with the uh, companion software, is that something that needs to be backed up so that if the unit has to ever be reset, those settings can be reinstalled? Or is it something that puts itself in flash in such a way that those configuration changes will stick? 
Uh, for the most part, it would be the latter. Those are pretty persistent settings. There's a few different places things are stored in the stream. Um, it's called a profile where your uh, bookmarks and last book position and so and other things are stored. Then there's a more persistent uh, place where things like uh, decryption keys and things go, and that's where your Wi-Fi config is. So it's it's pretty secure, but. I wouldn't go so far as to, to tell people to take a lot of pains to back it up because, again, it's typing in two text boxes in the companion to generate another one, so it's it's pretty painless to do if you needed to restore it. Okay, cool. What do you see in the future for the stream in terms of updates, in terms of uh, such, you know, accessories perhaps? Or yeah, sure. Uh, one of the... One of the greatest things about the um, the Victor Reader products is that software updates have always been free, and that's not going to change. And Humanware is actually expanding that into some of the other product lines now to be more universal. So that's only good for everyone to be able to have the latest as soon as it's available. So for Stream, it's uh, that's always been the case. And uh, here at the um, summer consumer conventions, we have started talking about the next update. The uh, Audible one I mentioned was uh, in May. And uh, next month in August, uh, we have another update scheduled, and that one should start to concentrate more on the Wi-Fi capabilities of the player. Today, the Wi-Fi can be used to uh, automatically download new firmware versions and install them for you. And for people in the U.S. Uh, using the NLS library, they encrypt their books, and the keys that are required can be downloaded by the player and installed. Uh, this update in August will include uh, some actual book reading functions uh, to, to the Wi-Fi, which I think is really exciting since that's the, the focus of the product. Two sources that we'll start with, uh, we have a partnership with the uh, National Federation of the Blind, so their NFB Newsline service will be supported for uh, books and magazines. Cool. Uh, you'll go onto their website, you'll select their uh, your favorites of those, and then uh, right on the stream you'll authorize it for your account, and with them it's just a, a numeric ID and a four-digit PIN, so that's easy to do on a on the stream's keypad. And then once you do that, anytime you are connected to a Wi-Fi network, the stream will periodically check. And the way their service works for newspapers, for example, is uh, the stream will automatically synchronize with what they offer on their server. So that's normally like uh, my local paper. It would be today's edition, yesterday's, and the previous major edition, which is normally last Sunday's. Mm -hmm. And I think magazines are the current issue and the previous. So there's nothing for the user to manage. Uh, That's all done automatically by the stream. So it's now, always up to date. So when you say synchronized by the server, does that also imply the removal of content yes. past a certain date? Yes, because when uh, when we go from today to tomorrow, now uh, we're going to be missing at least one edition, right? It'll be replaced with tomorrow's, so the stream will handle Dump that the, for you. Right. And then uh, for, I don't think it's quite so important for newspapers, but maybe more for magazines, there's somebody who might read them more slowly. Um, what we'll do is because of that mechanism, um, the existing book copy function that Stream's always had for copying from NLS cartridges and so on. And what'll happen is on your new uh, online bookshelf, if there's a magazine you want to make sure the player doesn't delete automatically next month, you can just press your key three and it'll copy it over to your uh, SD card so you can keep it. Indefinitely. Yes. Okay. The other service uh, just to mention is uh, Bookshare also. And that's pretty um, interesting as far as timing. When we plan to do uh, Bookshare, the wireless download of books, and uh, that one will be a little more um, interactive. You'll be able to search for books and so on on the stream uh, and download them directly. The stream will do the unpacking for you. It should be a pretty uh, nice experience. Uh, When we were planning that feature originally, we were expecting it to be probably 80 to 90% of interest, mostly to people in the U.S., right? But since then, we've had all this news from the... uh, 
the WIPO treaty uh, being agreed on and approved, and it really has some much more exciting implications uh, internationally now. So I think that uh, as Bookshare becomes, uh, as their catalog becomes more available to people in other countries, it's it's going to really be useful to uh, a lot more people than we had originally planned. So that's we think that's pretty exciting. And that's more, that makes your efforts more rewarding, exactly, too, because you exactly. see it affect more of your demographic. And the third feature is uh, Windows Media support. That was also not present on the original uh, release of the new generation stream, just because it's a new uh, hardware and software platform. So there was some work we needed to do. So Windows Media will be restored. There's, uh, there was a surprising number of people that apparently used Windows Media to wow. rip a lot of their CD collection. So uh, that, that uh, has been restored, and that's, um, it's the same uh, flavors of Windows Media that were supported on the original stream. Sure. So that's the unprotected uh, default format. Now, do you have, of course, I would assume iTunes support for the M4A or AAC? Yes, just or, as we had before. That's still there. Flack the, as well? Uh, Flack, that's a good. You're uh, the only. You're the second person that's ever asked me about that. <laughs> so okay. I know there's at least two people using it. No, it's interesting. Uh, we did have that on Stream One, and uh, we'll restore that later this year. And then there was a, a third um, codec that I also wasn't very familiar with. It's Opus, called Speaks. maybe. Speaks. Speaks. Yes, Speaks. Okay. okay. So Speaks and uh, Flack will be uh, coming later this year. Excellent. Excellent. Because Speaks is. Well, it's designed for speech. It's pretty efficient, mm -hmm. and um, I think one of the Audible formats uses it. I'm not sure if that's the case. Okay. So it's, yeah, I could see that being an easy restore. So that's really cool. That's good stuff. Yeah. Any other things you want listeners to know? Uh, pricing you asked. That's that's unchanged from launch time. So it's uh, 369 US for a yes. new stream. They can. Uh, get more information on the website they can call us whatever is more convenient for people we're happy to help and the number the phone number is 800-722-3393 or you can email uh, support at humanware.com if you have specific questions they'll be happy to help you out with that sounds good thank you so much for your time thanks Derek it's always a pleasure same for the Saratalk Podcast Network this has been Derek Lane Thank you again for being with us today on Main Menu. We always appreciate having you here. We hope you've enjoyed the show, and we'll see you back again here next week on Main Menu. Yeah.